Anyway, um, I'm going to start a new series today, and the series is actually on healing. And today we're going to primarily talk about one of the most difficult areas to receive healing, and that's emotional healing. And before I do that, I just want to pray. Father, I, I want to thank you that you're such an awesome father. And Father, I thank you today. I know you're going to be doing some, some real inner uh, deep healing today. I thank you as we receive communion that it's even going to go further. And Father, I thank you for each and every person here. And we thank you. You're going to do a great work. We let you do it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. You know, uh, the truth is that we live in a fallen world. You know, we don't live in the Garden of Eden. We don't live in heaven. Because we live in the middle, unfortunately, we get damaged. We get, you know, we have struggles. We go through stuff. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came to help in those areas and to bring healing. First of all, though, on your notes, it says healing of the whole person is a value. Say value. It ties into our mission. What is our mission? Our mission is simple. Our mission is pursue God. There's the vertical. Embrace people. There's the horizontal. Transform society through real community. God wants to bring transformation. And we believe healing is a large part of that. As we get more healed, we're able to bring more healing. As, and, and as we release that, and that's not just physical, that's emotionally, that's in relationally, that's in every area. And so we begin to transform the places where we are, our families, our lives, our work, our communities. And, and so it's just a, an, an outgrowth. But again, uh, there needs to be that, that healing power. Now, let me show you. It's so important to know that God cares about you, not just spiritually. He cares the fact that you receive Jesus Christ and that you're ultimately spending eternity with him in heaven. That's why he sent Jesus. That's very important. But he doesn't care about you just Physically, he cares about you, your soul, that's your mind and your emotions. He really deeply cares about that. And he also cares about you physically. And so if you look with me, the scripture for that is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24, and 28. This is the message. It says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Now notice he says, make you holy and whole. The problem is when we hear the word holy, we think that's perfection. We think that's better than everybody else. The word holy here is the Greek word hagios or hagiosmos, depending whether it's an adjective or a, or, a, or, a, or a noun. But the truth is that he wants us, and really what it means, hagiosmos or hagios or hagiosmos, means to be totally focused and sold out to him. So that's what holy is. Holy isn't being perfect. Holy isn't not making a mistake. Holy is just being focused on him. And so he makes us, so he becomes the center of our life. And then he makes us whole. Because his, his whole love for us, he wants us whole in every area of our life. And uh, he cares about us that much. And it goes on to say, the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Is that good news or bad news? He said it, and he did say it, and so he'll do it. Now, it doesn't mean he'll do it overnight, but he'll do it. The amazing grace of Jesus Christ be with you. Thank God for the grace of God. You know, Jesus demonstrated that when he hung on the cross, showing his great love for us. We can't earn his grace. It just comes to us freely. And so I am so thankful for that. I want to tell you a story 
Chris Valentin, who spoke here, he's from Bethel, he spoke here uh, at our Breathe conference in October. And, uh, you know, just recently he was telling a story about as he grew up. He had a really, really difficult childhood. His father drowned when, when he was three years old. And uh, his mother really struggled. She remarried, but she married a very violent, abusive man. And his life was rough. Her life was rough. And then they divorced when he was 15. And then he said things got even worse. He said there was a prowler that kept trying to break in their house. They lived in the Bay Area. And they actually, they actually screwed their windows shut. And so in the summer, it was so hot. And this prowler had tried to get in several times. And, and uh, it just made life miserable. Uh, <laughs> Not only that, it's, Chris said finally he just couldn't stand the heat and he undid his window. There you know, had been peace for a couple of days and he said that night the guy came in through the window, uh, got into the bedroom, went into the bedroom, messed up his mom and uh, from then on his mom just slept with a shotgun and he slept with a twenty-two, and, uh, and, and he said his mom was so distraught that she would cry herself to sleep at night. Not only that, she had psoriasis all over her body. The psoriasis was horrible and uh, her life was so miserable and he would hear her crying herself to sleep. And so at 15 years old, he really didn't believe in God. He didn't know whether there was a God or wasn't a God, but he was so desperate, he cried out. And he said, God, if, if you're there, if you are God or whoever you are, you know, whoever you are, if you will heal my mother, heal her emotionally and heal her physically, I will serve you the rest of my life. And he heard an audible voice and said, I am Jesus Christ and I, it's done. The next morning, his mother came out. She was smiling. She was happy. And the psoriasis had totally left her body. And he said he was more surprised than anyone. He said he only heard God speak to him in an audible voice twice. That was the, and when he was not saved, that was the first time. A week later, Jesus said, I've done what you asked. Now I'm waiting for you to serve me. Soon after that, Chris gave his life to Jesus. And... <laughs> The amazing thing was that his mother actually uh, was sort of a believer, but really became a strong believer. And it totally transformed Chris's life and his mother's life, you know, through the power of God and through the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I just want to tell that because I believe he's one of the most powerful speakers who travels around the country. We were, we were so blessed to have him here in the fall. We're hoping to have him again next year. But uh, I just want to say that, you know, God is for you. And, and, and Roman numeral 2 says, often the most difficult area, it should say area, not our, the most difficult area to heal is our damaged emotions. Say emotions. We have damaged emotions. You know, and as I said, if you live on planet Earth, you can't help it. You know, you, a lot of you know my own story. You know, I've got damaged emotions. I'm still dealing with damaged emotions. You know, I felt abandoned as a child. I was abused, uh, sexually abused when I was about four. I was sick all the time as a child, missed more school than I attended in kindergarten, first and second grade. I mean, I had a really, really rough childhood, and I, I actually died and Jesus raised me from the dead. I mean, it's a, a lot of things happen, but, but, you know, a lot of struggles. But what I want to say is that in the midst of damaged emotions, you know, God is a healer. And the problem is it doesn't happen instantaneously. In fact, uh, I, was, I pulled out this old book uh, by David Siemens. Uh, it was several years ago. It was written. It's called Healing for Damaged Emotions. Looks like my dog even took a chunk out of one of the back pages here. But, but anyway, uh, the, uh, it, he says something that I think is very important uh, that we need to hear. 
We preachers have often given people the mistaken idea that new birth and being filled with the Spirit are going to automatically take care of these emotional struggles and hang-ups. But that just isn't true. A great salvation experience of Jesus Christ, as important and eternally valuable as this is, is not a shortcut to emotional health. It's not a quickie cure for personality struggles. Then he goes on to say, understanding that salvation does not give instant emotional health offers us an important insight into the doctrine of sanctification. It's impossible to know how a Christian person is merely on the basis of their outward behavior. Now, let me just say this. We've talked about sanctification. When you're born again, when you receive Jesus Christ, you are instantaneously born again. Your spirit comes alive unto God. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You have a relationship with the Father and and with Jesus. Now, here's the deal, though. Sanctification is a process. Sanctification is a process where, where over time we're becoming more like Jesus. But it's a process. Sometimes it's a painful process. And I think what David Seaman points out, so I remember when I first, after I first got saved, and you know what a mess my life was. I was 28 when I got saved, and my life was a total disaster. You know what? I remember hearing a message a few months later that said, if you're saved, and if you're filled with the Spirit, then you you should not have any more problems or struggles. And I just felt condemned and, you know, well, what's wrong with me? But you know what? That's a lie. And that guy was full of, you know, since we're in church, we'll make it nice. We'll just say crap. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but it's true. And, and so, you know, and, and we've got to have compassion for each other. We've got to have compassion for ourselves when we're going through these struggles. And, and uh, l- let me just, let me read another, something else that he says here. Uh, it is necessary that we understand this. First of all, so that we can compassionately live with ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work with special healing in our own hurts and confusions. We also need to understand this in order to not judge other people too harshly but to have patience with their confusing and contradictory behavior. In so doing, we will be kept from unfairly criticizing and judging fellow Christians. And everybody said, man, that is such an important message because it is so sad when Christians judge other Christians, when they put other Christians down. That person's having enough of a struggle. They don't need to be condemned and judged on top of it. Amen? And so it's so important that we really understand how God is a healing God. He's a God that heals us, spirit, soul, and body. He's a God that cares about us in every form. Uh, often the most difficult area, as I mentioned, is, is the healing of our damaged emotions. Now, in, there's a story that talks about how these four guys really loved this guy, this friend of theirs who was paralyzed. And he was really struggling. And so what did they do? They brought him to Jesus, but they couldn't get in the house because the house was packed with people. And they tried to get in. And so the only way they decided they could get in was to go take, or take the roof apart and drop him down through the roof to Jesus. Now think about that. Think of all the effort they went to. Probably the guy was probably a little embarrassed, you know, but he, didn't, he couldn't do much. You know, he was, he was on, on the litter. And so they literally took the roof apart. They lowered this guy down to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, 
first of all, he says, I want you to know your sins are forgiven. Now, when he says your sins are forgiven, that ticked off the Pharisees. That ticked off some of the Jews who who were very legalistically oriented. That really made them mad because they thought no one can say your sins are forgiven unless it's God. But they failed to realize that he was God, that he was the Messiah. He was part of the Godhead. And so when he said your sins are forgiven, they were grumbling and mumbling. And then he said, pick up your litter and go ahead and walk. And the guy did. He picked up his litter and walked. And then he says something very powerful. He says in Mark 2, 9, he says, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? What he was saying, it's more difficult to say your sins are forgiven. So oftentimes it's more difficult to receive emotional healing than it is physical healing. Sometimes the two are attached. In this case, they were. He received his emotional healing and then he received physical healing. And so it's not always that case, but that's, that was the case in this case. That was the case in this case. That sounds kind of weird. Anyway, uh, Roman numeral three says insecurity. Say insecurity. Low self-esteem childhood wounds, perfectionism, shame. We can go on and on. Fear. You know, you can, you can go on and on and on. Can keep people from fulfilling their destiny. It's like barriers that come and try to stop us. And, and I've seen these barriers in my own life. I've seen these things try to rob me. The lies from, that, that get embedded in our childhood and the, those struggles try to keep us from going forward with God. But one of the things I've learned, that greater is he who's in us than all the things that happen to us in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I, love, I love Luke. Luke was a physician. And he, he was a guy that really understood the need for emotional healing and the need for physical healing. But he also understood God. And he understood the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to heal. And, and so he, he tells a lot of stories. I love the Gospel of Luke because there's so many wonderful stories. And he tells a story about a guy named Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus, for some reason that song came to me today. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You know, I'm not going to sing the song. But anyway, uh, Zacchaeus was a little guy. And he couldn't see Jesus. So when Jesus came to town, he really wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed up in a tree. When Jesus saw him up in the tree, he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down to that tree. Tonight I'm coming to your house for dinner. As soon as he said that, guess what? People got upset. How could he be going to a sinner's house? How could he be doing that? They hated Zacchaeus. Why did they hate Zacchaeus? First of all, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. Tax collectors were hated. Why? Because they extracted the hard-earned money from the people. And the chief tax collector was the most hated of all. They hated this guy. They hated him. And he was very, very wealthy. And I'm sure he flaunted his wealth. Now, we don't know whether he had a little man complex, a Napoleon complex. We don't know, but very possible. Very possible. But he was hated. And, you know, and he was consuming all this money, probably to make him feel more secure. But here's what happened. When Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, when, he got to, when Jesus got to his house and all the people are grumbling, why would he go to the house of a sinner? Well, guess what? Jesus came for the lost. He didn't, he didn't come for those that thought they had it all together. He came for the hurting. And he went to Zacchaeus' house. And when Zacchaeus saw him, he fell on his face. And he said, Jesus, I will give half of my money to the poor. And anybody who I've, who I've cheated in any way, I will pay back four times what I cheated them. 
It's an amazing story. And Jesus says this in Luke chapter 19. You can read the whole story when you get home today. Luke 19, 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to the house, to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Did you hear that? He came to seek and to save the lost. And when he says salvation, he's talking about, you know, healing in, you know, just emotional healing, you know, just his whole life was changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, by that encounter with Jesus Christ. I want you to know encounters with Jesus change us. The encounter that, Jesus, that, that the Apostle Paul had with, and he was Saul of Tarsus, killing Christians, that, that changed his total life when he encountered Jesus. Why? Because when we encounter the one who is love, when we encounter the one who is grace, when we encounter the one, uh, it, it changes our life. And we begin to realize and see a lot of the old garbage begin to fall away. And then there's a process where by the Holy Spirit, he begins to heal us and change us. Roman numeral four says, Jesus is the source of our emotional healing. And I'll add, by the, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the source of our emotional healing. You know, I can tell you this. There is really no healing apart from Jesus. Why, why do you say that, Pastor? Well, I know in my own life, my life was so incredibly messed up that I have seen over the years, and he's still healing me. By the way, I don't want to pop anybody's bubble, but I have not yet arrived. I want you to know I'm still getting healed. He's still working on me, amen? And you know what? To be honest with you, He's still working on you because there's a process going on in our lives. Thank God for that process. We go through struggles. He comes. He helps us through the struggle. He helps us. He changes us. He gives us more compassion for those that are going through struggles, and he uses it to his good. He turns it to good, even though it's not fun when we're going through those struggles. You know, one of the things, too, that, uh, you know, Luke, uh, he records Jesus' first sermon. Jesus' first sermon is really interesting. Jesus came to the temple. He opened the, 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 the scroll to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, and he reads just a portion of it. He reads a portion of it, and he says this, and he's talking about himself. And this is in Luke chapter uh, 4, verses 18, verse 18. It says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, first of all, there's the proclamation. And by the poor, it doesn't mean just financially poor. You know, a person can be extremely wealthy, but not have, not have eternal life. And they're going to be extremely wealthy on this earth, and then they're going to go to hell. That's not, that's not wealth. That's not true wealth. That's only temporal wealth. And so he's, he was preaching to the poor, to those who needed him. And which is all of us. Uh, he has sent me, and then he, he doesn't stop there. So there's the proclamation, the good news. The gospel means good news. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The second thing he says is emotional healing. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Why? Because he knows if you live on planet Earth, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get wounded. You're going to have a broken heart. I mean, that's just normal. It's just living here on Earth. That's what happens. But Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And then he goes on, he goes on to say, <clears throat> excuse me, 
He goes on to say this, to proclaim liberty to the captives. How many of you know there's so many things in this world that can captivate us? I mean, there's everything from drugs to sex to, to money to, I mean, just all kinds of things. Workaholism. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And so there's so many things we can be captive to. We can have somebody do something that injures us and we can become captive to that where we become bitter. And so we become captive to a bitter heart. And then it goes on to say, to proclaim liberty... Now, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. There's physical healing. I'll probably talk about that more next week. But, but he's talking about, you know, physical healing. Recovery of sight to the blind. He talked about the lame, you know, the, the lepers being healed. Anyway, uh, but then he goes on to say, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, oppression. What is oppression? Well, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, we're told we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Oppression comes from the enemy. There is an enemy. His name is Satan. He has a hierarchy. It's all explained in Ephesians chapter 6. And so when you receive Jesus, you have an enemy. He's called an adversary. Satan, the word Satan means adversary. So you have an adversary, somebody who hates you, somebody who doesn't like you, you know, but don't whine about it because greater is he who lives in us than he that's in the world. And he's given us authority over the enemy. So when the enemy attacks, you know what? We get stronger. We learn how to battle. But at times, we become oppressed. And that's, a, that's a, a normal thing where the enemy will take maybe some of our emotional wounds and then he'll compound it to really attack us and really keep us down. And uh, so I want you to see the word here, though, the word for healing. And by the way, when you see the word save or saved or healing or healing in the Bible uh, and even deliverance, it, it's from the same word. It's the word sozo. Say sozo. Now, sozo is the Greek word, and it actually means to save spiritually. It means to, you know, salvation, eternal life. It means also to heal emotionally and physically. It also means to deliver from danger or the demonic. And it also means to make whole. Because God wants to, he wants us to walk in that wholeness. So sozo is very powerful. By the way, we have a lot of ways that people can receive wholeness here. In fact, we have a whole list that I'm going to put up on the screen. We have sozo. I've done sozo. I still do Excuse me. I still do sozo. You can sign up for that here. Uh, there's theophostic ministry. I do that. And both of those ministries, Jesus is the primary source of healing, where he comes in by the Spirit and brings healings and, and breaks the lies and breaks the pain. And, and uh, it's very powerful. We also have, we have a strong counseling ministry here. Bob's been over that. Uh, we have several great counselors that can help. We have Celebrate Recovery, which helps people not just with addictions, but with, with any kind of struggles that people are going through. And that meets on Wednesday night. We have healing rooms, the first and third Tuesday of the month. Uh, and that's a powerful time. We also have altar ministry. We have people that are trained up here to, you know, to, to pray for you. In fact, we had a powerful time yesterday. Uh, we trained between 30 and 35 people yesterday for altar ministry. And I got to pray over people. And man, I had a tremendous encounter with the Lord. And uh, I had an encounter after I left the healing rooms. The Lord really encountered me. And he said, I want you to be, to, to, I want to be more accessible to you. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in our agenda that we become less accessible. And so he interrupted me last night. He interrupted me in the nine o'clock and he's attempting to interrupt me right now. <laughs> and uh, I told him, I said, you can interrupt me anytime because I'm your servant. This is your church. And if it's in a service, even if I'm preaching a powerful message and you want to interrupt, that's okay. <laughs> and here's the interruption that he just spoke to me. It's been different every time. It's interesting. What he said is there's, there's, there's a person and I think there's more than one there's some people here, when I talked about oppression 
you are experiencing oppression. Now, let me just explain this because the Lord's kind of downloading this to me, but the oppression you're feeling goes beyond just your circumstances or your emotional struggles you're having. But there's an oppression, and at times you feel like the enemy's trying to take you out. And this heaviness comes on you, and you feel it's hard to even exist. It's hard to even go forward with life. And so if that's you, would you be honest enough to just kind of wave at me? And uh, yeah, we've got several, several people. Uh, Okay, here's what I'm going to do. This is going to take a little courage, but this is what the Lord's telling me. You know, I've learned I've got to be obedient. You know, even, you know, it's just so important. And so we're going to do this quickly. I'm not going to have you come forward, but those of you that are feeling this oppression, this is what the Lord told me. As you stand, as I pray, you're going to feel a breaking of it. So I'm going to ask those that raise their hand or those that were afraid to raise their hand, but know that you're dealing with some oppression. Would you stand? And by the way, I deal with oppression a lot. And so it's, it's not a shame to stand up. So would you stand, stand to your feet, and uh, I want you to give him a hand for standing, because, you know, <clears throat> it takes courage. If you look around, a lot of people are experiencing oppression. Now, I would like the other people there, if you will just, uh, if you will just extend your hands to them, and, uh, you know, just, yeah, you can, you can stand up and extend, you extend your hands to them. I'm going to pray. I'm going to break this in the spirit, and I believe you're... The act of your standing up was the most important act, even more important than my prayer. But my prayer, uh, because of the authority I walk in and because of the authority we walk in in Jesus Christ, it's going to break it. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every oppressive spirit that would try to come and rob the destiny of these people. I say, in the name of Jesus, you have to go. I say, I break that oppression now. I say, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Now, download peace, download strength, download truth, download your love, and let them just receive from you. And as they receive communion today, Father, I thank you this will be broken even to a deeper degree. Once we recognize recognize it, then we can see it's not just us. And so it breaks the power of that oppression. And so I give you the glory now, Father, and I thank you in the name of Jesus. Let's give him another great hand. God bless you guys. I love you. I love you so much. And let me say this. This is a weird thing I'm going to say, but I just felt the Lord tell me this. If you're not experiencing oppression, you never experience oppression. It may be because you're not really doing anything for God. <laughs> oh, that's a really condemning word. Thank you so much, Lord. <laughs> anyway, I don't like to ever say anything that might be condemning. So don't take it in a condemning way. Take it in a motivating way to say, man, you know what? I'm going to do something for God. Amen. Okay, good. Thank you, Lord. Don't get me in trouble. Okay, here we go. Let's go to the last one. Forgiveness. Say forgiveness. Helps to release healing both emotionally, physically, and bring wholeness. What did I learn on my vacation? <laughs> that, last night I was reading that. That's not supposed to be in there because <laughs> I haven't been on vacation. Maybe that the Lord's telling me I need to go on one. But anyway, uh, <laughs> You know, God has a sense of humor. Whoever put that in has a sense of humor. Anyway, uh, (laughs) but here's what I want you to see. Forget that part, but forgiveness helps to release healing both emotionally and physically and bring wholeness. You know what? You got to forgive. Chris Valentin said uh, he went through another very hard time. Uh, Bill Johnson, who was the head pastor, got sick, had to 
had to scale back and Chris had to take on some of his stuff and Chris was overwhelmed at the time and then his son came to him in tears and said, my wife has left, we're going through a horrendous divorce and it brought back all the feelings of what his mother had gone through and he said he ended up on the couch for six months, he couldn't get off the couch, the depression was so bad. But during that time, God began to heal. And, and he realized that he had to forgive. He had to forgive his stepfather. He had to forgive uh, the spouse of, of his, sons, of his son. Uh, he had to forgive. He had to let go of these things. He had to release it. And God began to heal him. And today, I believe he's one of the most powerful, powerful speakers in the country. And, uh, and he's not afraid to share the struggles. And, you know, uh, one other story, too, that just... I want to mention too is it's in David Seaman's book and it talks about a boy who his father kept saying, man, you got to get all A's. He'd bring his report card and he'd have some A's and some B's and maybe a C. And the dad said, no, you got to have all A's. Finally, the kid worked so hard. <clears throat> he came to his dad. He had all A's. He said, dad, I got all A's. He was so excited. Dad looked at his report card. He goes, oh, I know a lot of those teachers. They give out A's like candy. You didn't really accomplish much at all. Let me tell you, that man, that boy, grew up, became a pastor. He always felt that he could never please his congregation. He had a nervous breakdown, left the ministry, but he got healing. And he went through a time of struggle, and he got healing, emotional healing. And out of that, he had a tremendous ministry that came out of that, where he could help people, help people that felt they could never live up. And I want you to know, whatever the struggle year is, we're going to receive communion at this time. And I believe God's going to help you with some of those emotional pains, those barriers in your life. I believe he's going to do a mighty work. Why do I believe that? Because he told me he would. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person in this place. And Father, for those who may not know you today, Lord, it just takes a willingness to say, I need you, Jesus. I'm lost I need you. Please forgive me of my sin. If you'll cry that out from your heart, just you don't have to say it verbally out loud, but if you'll cry out from your heart and say, Jesus, please come into my life, he will. He'll forgive you. He'll, he'll change you from inside out. But more than anything, you'll have a place in heaven because the only reason we're going to get to heaven is because of what Jesus has done for us, that we've received it in our heart. And so I want you to say this with me before we receive communion. You can bring the elements up. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, as I receive what represents the broken body of Jesus, I expect to receive healing. I expect, Lord, that you're going to help to begin to put me back together. Now I want you to go ahead and receive what represents the broken body of Jesus. Let him bring healing and then hold on to the cup don't drink the cup. We're going to pray over it and receive it together.